Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Hey, Bethany, so glad you're here with us. Uh, if you're tuning in online, we want to welcome you. We're so grateful that you've tuned in. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Bethany. I'm your designated survivor this weekend. Uh, pa- if you don't know, Pastor George, our senior pastor, is on sabbatical this summer. And then a couple of our other pastors, Pastor Josh and Pastor Stu, are gone this weekend. So they left it up to me. Uh, they left me with the keys. And uh, it reminds me of the presidential line of succession where you finally get down far enough and it gets to like some White House intern gets the job. And that's where we're at this weekend. So we're going to have some fun. Uh, We're talking about, uh, we're in this series called To the Full. We're talking about prayer this weekend as a tool we can use to be in living a fulfilled life with Christ. And so uh, grab your Bibles. We'll be in John chapter 10 as well as Matthew chapter 6. Um, and so the, the verse for this series that we're drawing from is John 10, 10. And this says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Would you pray with me as we start our time together? Lord, we pray as we learn how to uh, be fulfilled in you and not what the world says, but what your word says and living a full life. Uh, We pray that you would speak to us this morning. Uh, Bless us today. We also pray a special blessing over the Seattle Mariners and deliver them into the promised land of the playoffs. In Jesus' name. His people said, amen, amen. Well, we're talking about uh, being fulfilled in Christ. And the problem is what the world defines as fulfillment is not what Christ defines as fulfillment. Uh, I love the uh, quote that Pastor Josh used last week. It's out of a Guardian article, which is a British newspaper. And the author says, living fully in the Instagram age is often reduced to doing things that would be worth documenting. And I think that's how uh, we can think of a fulfilling life is checking certain boxes uh, that other people think is fulfillment when in reality, it's just leaving a void in our life. And it it can often be uh, if we think, oh, if one thing changes, if this one problem is fixed, or if we get this one material possession, then we'll have a fulfilled, happy life when that's just not the reality. The reality is to live a fulfilled life is to be in Christ. It's to be in relationship with him. And so in this series, To the Full, we're going to be talking about uh, some practical tools that we can use in living a fulfilled life in Christ. And so this week, we're talking about prayer. And prayer is one of those interesting uh, practices that we do as Christians because it's widely known by the world. And if we think of other practices that we do, uh, we think of communion where we Uh, remember the body and the blood of Jesus, or we think of worship like we just did, of being expressive and joyful in worshiping God, that's oftentimes foreign to the world. They don't understand why we do those things. But with prayer, it's different because uh, we think of 
when a tragedy happens, we think thoughts and prayers. And many people who aren't religious say their thoughts and prayers are with the people or person affected. We think of people in their deathbed where they may bring a pastor in to pray with them in their dying moments or days. Uh, And then we think of even in the religious world, uh, non-Christians that follow a religion are praying to something, to some higher power. And so prayer is one of those interesting spiritual practices that almost universally is understood. And so when we talk about prayer, what are we talking about? What's the basic, the most boiled down definition we can have? It's just simply talking with God. And that could be through worship and adoration. That could be through uh, confession or asking for forgiveness. Or it could be for simply asking for something that we need or something that we want. And uh, I think of a story of my family. I actually have a picture. Um, So this is my wife, Taylor. You might see her up here singing sometimes. And then this is uh, my five-year-old, Charlotte, and my two-year-old, Oliver. Uh, If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've probably seen us chasing them around and them running around like crazy like they own the place. And uh, my daughter, Charlotte, she is a go-getter. She is uh, not afraid to ask for what she wants or uh, ask anyone. And she, what she wants, she'll get it now. Um, And Oliver is the opposite. He's our shy little baby boy. um, And he oftentimes, when we talk to someone he doesn't know, he hides behind my leg and won't uh, engage. And I think that sometimes our prayer life can be that way, where uh, we may not engage or talk to God because we think our prayers might be too small or too big, or we don't know how to pray. We may not have the right words to pray, or we simply lose the practice and we get out of uh, the rhythms in our prayer life. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about how prayer can build our relationship with Christ. So we're going to talk about a couple things that the Bible says about prayer, and then we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6 of an example that Jesus gives of prayer and how we can utilize it in our life. But what this means is a caveat. It's so great that you're here. It's so great you're in community with other like-minded believers. But what that means is it's your responsibility to build your relationship with Christ. I can't build it for you, Pastor George can't build it for you. None of the pastors here can build your relationship with Christ. It's on you. It's your responsibility. And so we want to equip you with these tools that you can take into your week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And when you're not in church, you can apply these to your life and grow in Christ. And so what does the Bible say about prayer? Uh, If you're taking notes, you can take notes on our app. uh, Or if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. There's different types of prayer. There's uh, public prayer, corporate prayer, which we engage in all the time in church on a weekend or in our community groups or small groups. Uh, we, God wants us to pray for one another. There's power in that. Uh, but prayer is also personal. And we see this in uh, what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 6. And just to set this uh, verse up, Jesus is giving this message. It's one of his first sermons that he gives. And uh, it's laying out the ground rules and the values of this upside down kingdom that he's bringing to earth. It's different than what the world has to offer. 
And he's bringing what the kingdom of God has to offer. And so in Matthew chapter six, he talks about prayer in this sermon. And in verse five, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and pray at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, the Pharisees were using prayer as a worldly recognition tool. They weren't using it to grow their relationship with Christ. They were using it to look good in church. And every relationship needs time and energy. When we think about prayer, we think about it as the fundamental building block in our relationship with Christ. It's not for a show. It's not to look good. But we go into our room in quiet where only it's you and God. And that is where true growth happens in our spiritual journey. And when we talk about relationships, it's interesting. There was a a study done by Dr. Robin uh, Dunbar, who is a researcher and professor at Oxford University. And he looked to quantify how many relationships the average person can maintain. And in our world of uh, social media, it's uh, interesting because many of us have hundreds or thousands of friends and followers. But Dr. Dunbar, in his research, uh, quantified it with what he called Dunbar's number, and that is 150. The average person can maintain 150 relationships. And he defines this as one of those relationships would be someone you're not afraid to run into and talk to in public, at the store, at Costco, wherever. And uh, I can testify to this personally because uh, my mom— Hi, mom, if you're watching. Um, uh, She is extremely extroverted. It felt like growing up, she knew literally everyone. And so whenever we would go to the store, uh, I have two younger brothers, and we would, it would always be around lunchtime, and it never failed. We were checking out at the store, and then she would bump into someone and be like, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. And she had just seen this person last week, and uh, it never failed. And we would pull her and be like, mom, we want to go, we want to go eat lunch and she's smacking us. Be quiet, be quiet. Um, And then it never failed at church. After church on the weekend, um, she would shut the place down. They would be turn off the lights and lock in the doors and she would just go from person to person. And every week we would go get fried chicken from Albertsons. And all we wanted to do was go home and eat lunch because after church on Sunday, you're always hungry. And she would shut the place down. And maybe that's you. Maybe you shut the church down and that's great. Good on you. I can uh, relate to that. And And every relationship, um, every relationship needs time and energy to be built on. And extroverts are great at that. Um, But Dr. Dunbar uh, narrowed it down even further. So the average person can hold 150 relationships. And he narrowed it down to close relationships. And so he quantified that the average person can have five close relationships. Just five. And if you think about the five closest relationships in your life, think about the time and the energy and the resources and the money and the block on your calendar and the sacrifice that you make 
for your five closest relationships. Well, we need to treat our relationship with God just as important as one of our closest relationships here on earth, if not even more, because it's the only eternal, it's the greatest eternal relationship. And so prayer is personal. It's, it's the building block in our faith in growing with Christ. So prayer is personal. It takes effort. Number two, prayer is powerful. In James chapter five, uh, verse 13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Catch this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Did you catch that? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So the Bible says that our prayers have power. And they have power in the short term and they have power in the long term. And I just want to list a couple examples, uh, rapid fire, of prayers that were answered in the Bible in uh, a short term fashion where someone prayed and then it was answered. And so we read of this character, Jabez, uh, in First Chronicles. He's listed in uh, a, line- a biblical lineage, a list of names. And this verse sticks out. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. And we see an example in the New Testament of the apostle Peter in the book of Acts chapters 12. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So there's power when we pray together as a church. And then just two uh, verses later, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side. That's quite the way to wake up, an angel kicking you in the side. Uh, And uh, he said, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And so we see there was instant prayer answered with the apostle Peter. And we even have an example here uh, in our own community. At Bethany, we had uh, someone send in a prayer request. Uh, It was last year. And she said that uh, her her and her husband were going through uh, a miscarriage. And then right after that, her husband got laid off from his job. And in that same year, she updated us and said that they were pregnant and that Uh, her husband actually got a job that was paying more than the one he got laid off on. And so that's a personal example that really hits home that prayer is powerful in the short term. But not only is prayer powerful in the short term, prayer is also powerful in the long term. And what do I mean by that? Well, my story in ministry is a long and winding one. I felt the call of God on my life to be in full-time ministry, specifically music ministry, back in uh, my high school teenage years. And out of high school, I went and did a church internship. And then out of that church internship, uh, I was like, all right, God, I'm ready. Uh, ready to sign on the dotted line. Ready. Where's my job offer? I am ready to serve you. And 
Unfortunately, that is just not how it happened. That was not God's timing. It was not God's will. It was another eight years of me volunteering and serving and working jobs uh, in the secular world. And God was equipping me and giving me tools to use. And I would not be where I'm at today with the tools and equipping I have if I didn't stay faithful to God and trust in his promise and his timing. And you see that prayer that I prayed when I was in high school got answered 10 years later. And it was still just as powerful when he answered that prayer. And so sometimes you may not have a no, sometimes it's a not yet. And we need to trust in the perfect will and timing of God. So prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is personal and prayer is powerful. Number three, prayer brings Peace. Prayer brings peace. And I know that the word peace, some of you may not even be able to understand. Some of you, that word isn't even in your vocabulary. Maybe you have a couple crazy kids running around your house like me. Maybe uh, you're going through a struggling relationship or a divorce, or maybe you're struggling with anxiety and depression, or maybe you're struggling to find a job. Peace is so hard to come by these days in our world. And it's interesting, uh, the American Psychiatric Association did a poll in May of this year, and 79% of people, percent of respondents, felt somewhat or very anxious about one or more political issues. And the world is constantly bombarding us in what seems like an ever politicized and divisive world. The world is, uh, is constantly coming at us. And I'm not saying that these issues aren't important or we shouldn't focus on them, but our primary focus should be seeking the peace of God. And those are external things coming at us, but also the Mental Health, Mental Health America is an organization that did a study in 2020. And they said from the year prior, anxiety screens were up 634% and depression screens were up 873%. That's an internal problem. That's a heart problem. And we're going through struggling things. You might be struggling with something, but we need to seek the peace of God. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that's through prayer. In Philippians chapter 6, verse, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So today you can take a deep breath, whatever you're struggling with or struggling through, through prayer, God promises us peace. Uh, my wife and I went through a really hard time. Uh, this was when she was pregnant with our first, she was about six months pregnant, and I had just gotten my first uh, big boy salary job, and uh, we were really excited. We felt like we had finally grown up. We were able to save for a house and uh, save for our baby coming, and this was just a few weeks before Christmas, and so we, we said, all right, we're going to splurge and be able to buy our family some nice Christmas presents, and 
two weeks into this job, they met with me and they said, we just don't think that you're the right fit. We have this hourly job that pays half the amount if you want it, but uh, we're not going to be moving forward with you. And that was probably one of the hardest phone calls that I ever had to make, was sitting in that parking lot, calling my seven-month pregnant wife a few weeks before Christmas and say, I lost my job. And I won't lie, we didn't have immediate peace. It was really hard. We didn't know how we were going to afford to live. But we leaned on God and we trusted in his promise because we knew where he was taking us. We just didn't know his will and his timing exactly. And so we began to pray. We began to experience slowly the peace of God. And eventually, God provided for us. And so we were able to look back now on that situation then and say, God provided for us at our lowest. And so we can trust God for anything he brings us. And so today, I want to encourage you. You might be saying through a situation, why me? Why now? Maybe you're even struggling to pay attention in service today because that thing, that relationship, that job is stressing you out and it causing anxiety and is constantly on your mind. Let me read that verse in Philippians again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So we know that prayer is personal. We know that prayer is powerful. And we know that prayer brings peace. And so you might be saying, well, I don't know where to start, or I've fallen out of that habit, or I don't have the right words to say. Well, Luckily, just a few verses later in the Sermon on the Mount on uh, what we read earlier in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus continues and he gives us an example of prayer. So I want to read through this example of prayer and let's just take a few notes out of what Jesus says. And so we have a starting point and we have some tools in our tool belt that we can use when we come to God in prayer. And this is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And so in Matthew chapter 6, continuing in verse 9, it says, uh, Jesus talking, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what can we glean from Jesus' prayer here? Let's just run right down it and let's see what we can take into our own personal prayer lives. He starts our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. What does Jesus do? He starts with praise and thanksgiving. Before anything else, he says, God, you deserve the glory. You are worthy. And that's how he starts his prayer. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, God, your will be done above mine, above my timing, above anything else, your will be done. He lets God know he trusts him fully, no matter what. He then says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. 
He asks for provision that God would provide all his needs. And he also says that he forgives debtors, those who have sinned and wronged against us. And Jesus, just a chapter earlier, still in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44, says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And that's not easy. That's not in our worldly human nature to pray for our enemies and love those who've sinned against us. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to pray for those who have wronged us. And a couple more takeaways as uh, the band comes out. Be okay with a no or a not right now. You might receive a no when you ask something from God. But we need to trust in him that his will and his timing is sovereign. And maybe it's a not right now. Maybe he's going to answer your prayer in a few days, weeks, months, or maybe it's years from now. But your prayer is still just as powerful today, even if it doesn't get answered for 10 years. So what's the lesson out of today? What do we take away from this? It's really simple. Let's make prayer a consistent part of our week. I want to challenge you this week. When you wake up tomorrow or you wake up the next day as you go about your week, schedule some time, whether that's in the morning when you first wake up, it's right before you go to bed, maybe it's in uh, the middle of a break at work, schedule five minutes, set an alarm on your phone and just pray. If you don't know what to pray, that's okay. Jesus gives us an example. Pray through the Lord's prayer and apply it to your own life and know that prayer is personal. It builds your growth, your spiritual faith with Christ. Prayer is powerful. It changes things. It transforms things. And prayer brings peace. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we know that this isn't an easy topic. It's easy to say, but it's challenging to do. And so today, this week, we're committed to being a people of prayer. We're committed to be a people of your word, to trust in you. No matter where we're at, no matter the season or the situation we're struggling with, we choose to trust you. And we ask for peace. We ask for peace through prayer today. And so as we worship you together, we ask for a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.